Welcome to Nutria Performing Arts Stories. I'm Dwayne Burkhard. Well, folks, we've come to the end of Season 1 of our show, and I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in and making it such a success. I am amazed, impressed, and honored to report that literally thousands of people have listened to at least one episode of our show. I'm also very happy to announce that there will be a Season 2, and that planning for it is already in progress. Season 2 is expected to premiere sometime in the late fall of 2023, and will begin with an interview featuring a major Hollywood star. We're going to finish Season 1 with another interview featuring our very first guest, John Guillen. When John and I sat down last fall to talk about Nutrier, we actually recorded two interviews that day. The first one was featured in Episode 1 of this podcast, when we talked about the history of Nutrier's Performing Arts Department. But I also wanted to talk to John about his personal experience in Nutrier Theater. So we did that, too. In this closing episode of Season 1, I talk with John about his few experiences as a performer, but mostly about his adventures behind the scenes in the incredible and huge underworld below Gaffney Auditorium. We also talk about his frankly amazing abilities when it came to costuming, and how his time at Nutrier led him to form a company which warehouses stage costumes. And of course, along the way we'll talk about some of his favorite memories. Here now is my second conversation with John Guillen. Hi everybody and welcome back to Nutrier Performing Arts Stories. We are joined again today by our very first guest on our very first podcast, uh, John Guillen, who performed that day as our resident Nutrier Performing Arts Historian, is back again today to tell us more about his personal experience. Uh, John is, of course, a Nutrier graduate and Performing Arts alum and my personal friend for many years. And John, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. So glad what I want... Back. Well, glad to have you. Uh, so I want to spend this show talking more about your time in Nutria Theater. And your years would have been, let's see, uh, 77 to 81, right? Right. Yes, correct. So, so in, and in your time, there were some, I mean, you, you have an Oscar nominee, you've got some Emmy winners, you've got some, some big time performance people. So tell me a little bit about how you became involved in the department and, and we'll kind of go from there. I had been doing theater all my life, you know, children's theater, when I could children's theater, all of that, which led to doing theater at New Trier. But I got involved because of Suzanne Adams. <laughs> I was... Um, Who didn't, but go ahead. <laughs> yes, I was, <laughs> I was actually involved more with costuming, costume crew. I only did maybe three shows at New Trier, but the first one I did was Mrs. Adams, Suzanne Adams, came to me. They were doing Bye Bye Birdie the freshman sophomore musical, which I thought was really cool, you know, that we had our own spotlight, so to say, speak, the freshmen and sophomores on ourselves in theater at Nutria, which was great. You know, you didn't have the competition of the older kids. The Frosh Soft you know? plays every fall. Yeah, that it was a big deal for me, too. That's, that's a good point. 
Right, and we did the music. Were they still doing the Froshsoft musical too? They, they were. They, they, they did Froshsoft, uh, the play in the fall, and the musical in the spring. That's correct. Yes. Right, right, and this was, and we were doing Bye Bye Birdie, and Suzanne Adams came to me and said, "I'm short cast members. I need somebody to do this little walk-on part. Will you do it?" And I'm like, "Of course, I'll do it. No problem. I'm here all the time anyway with the costuming crew." But the way I got into costume crew is I went to go see a play at New Trier freshman year called The Admirable Crichton. It was a straight play in Gaffney. It took place in about uh, the the play was set in the early uh, 1900s. And I just, I was blown away by the play and everything. And I didn't get into a play at Nutria that I had auditioned for. So my attitude was, well, damn it. I want to be hang out with my friends. I'm going to go do stage crew or costume crew. Well, you didn't want me around tools because somebody would have gotten hurt. Or something <laughs> like that. And, and I had much more of an interest in the costuming. And so I actually veered more into that. And that kind of took over more because I didn't do much performing after that. I was really, really involved in the costuming, which led to my going to college, getting my um, Bachelor of Arts in film and television production with uh, associates in costume design and construction um, led into that. And I also seeing Crichton and seeing what Nutria used because Nutria also used a lot of costuming that was donated, clothing that was donated. So when they did Crichton, those actors and actresses, a lot of the costumes they were wearing were actually authentic pieces from the period. You know, they were That's wearing incredible. Virginia, Mad- Virginia Madison was in that play. And one of the dresses huh? she wore was from the 1890s. Wow. You know, wow. type of thing. And I can remember being in the audience and loving the show and loving that, but also being very concerned that why are you using these antiques that they're going to get destroyed, you know, because they're too fragile to be on stage. But when you're a high school kid in high school, they don't think that way, but I did. So I actually started my own anti-clothing collection, which has now ballooned into this massive collection of anti-clothing that's that's museum-worthy, museum quality. Wow. So what was so your first impression? So you, we talked in the, the first time you were on the show, we talked about how the costuming department was there just the tens of thousands of dollars in the budget for even just one show. So the first time you go down into the bowels of Gaffney, this gigantic underground labyrinth that is the underground of this Broadway quality theater sitting in a high school and you go into the costuming department, what, what was, what was your reaction to that? Was there just kind of an, Oh my God kind of moment or. It was mind blowing down there because you could be like, Oh, we need this and this and this for this show. Oh, let me walk over to this closet, open the closet door. Oh, here it is. You know, I mean, it just, you couldn't find down there. And if you did, Mrs. Andrews made it. And I had to pay homage to Carol Andrews because she was the costumer at Nutrier. Brilliant lady, wonderful seamstress. She, you know, like I said before, if something wasn't in those closets or the bat or the boxes or in storage, she would go home and make it. That's incredible. And what I didn't know, Dwayne, until after we gra- I graduated, long after I graduated, there was another whole secondary costume room just for storing costumes that I never saw. Like back behind where you guys were? or No, no. When you would go down, if your audience can understand this, where the costume room was sitting underneath the stage. We were the very right. back. We were actually very, under the very back wall of the costume Western, The westernmost room, as far as I knew, yes. Yeah, the, yeah, the farthest western wall of that. So if you went to, if you're facing the front of Gaffney, you went to the the south, 
Okay. And there was that right, long right. hallway that So went toward down. Winnetka Avenue, if you will, for those people who want to Google Earth this yeah. or something. Yeah, okay. Right. And then there was a hallway down by the Gill's office down at right. that end. Okay. There was that long hallway where the chorus room was, you know, for right. makeup and all that. Well, the next door down, okay, which I didn't know until I worked there at Nature doing costumes 10 years after I graduated, it was a whole nother room full of nothing but costumes. My gosh. On racks after rack after rack. I mean, it was, it was, I'm like, where the heck? And, and Mrs. Andrews told me, she said, this has always been here, but it's just, there's so much, 90% of it we didn't use, you know, because it was so much. And we talked about this the first time you were on the show, but it, it just it kind of goes again to the absolute unbelievable scope of the physical amount of space that Gaffney oh. Auditorium, that this theater has. I mean, this gigantic space that, right. that we had to, to deal with. And this is, and, and the area that you're all talking about is all underground. It's actually down, you know, we have, and you have the direct line on the other side to the orchestra pit so that the orchestra could go through. And I mean, it was just, it's just it endless. If you think about it in that hallway I'm talking about, there's one on each side of the theater that runs underneath the, the two outer aisles of the theater. Mm -hmm. And then, then ends uh, underneath the lobby, those two hallways. Well, along those two hallways, there was like five or six rooms in each one of those hallways that held props and set pieces and furniture and just unbelievable amounts of stuff. Like you said, I mean, what high school has that? Has that, you know? or has the giant, or on the, on, the, on the guy's locker room side, on the flip side, you walk around that gigantic set elevator that would go down from the set workshop that went up to the, to the main stage. Uh, and that elevator, right. you could fit, you know, like a stretch limo on that thing. It was a gigantic space. and Right. And uh, that's how the gills would get all the furniture up there, too. Up and down. Right. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. I remember riding on that elevator a couple of times, hauling cot racks of costumes up. And it was like, I mean, it was kind of freaky, creepy. And then did you ever see at the other end, the, the southern end of the stage? If you were up on the stage and you went to the southern end of the stage. Okay. Okay. The Winneke Avenue side. Did right. you ever see the scene painting shop? No, no. In fact, I, again, I because I was a, a performer, I I and never oh. did crew a show. I never oh. got over there. I'm sure when you were on stage, you saw the big. I mean, you could see right. You could see there was something over there, right? Yes. The light booth. Well, behind there again, if you went farther than that light booth, okay, there was the door that went down, you know, the stairs that went down, right, underneath the stage. But beyond that were these two huge metal doors that opened. Well, the scene painting shop, <laughs> if you went in there, I don't know if you ever saw this, but there was a roller that was down, that was on uh, way up on the ceiling and one down on the floor. So what they could do is they could roll the canvas up and the kids could just stand there and paint, you know, paint the, the and backdrop. Move, and the can, and, paint the backdrop and, and and because it had to be like 50 feet tall sometimes to be yeah. in, on the, in the scene. Oh, right. that's actually yeah. really smart. Yeah, and it would just do that. So they would just stand there and paint. And that way, I think it also helped with the perspective of the backdrop. But I mean, I can remember seeing this and being like, oh my God, you know, there's this roll of canvas just going. And you're just like, holy crap. You know, I mean, I'm 16 years old. Why is this happening? Right. You know? I mean, That's crazy. You know, it was uh, crazy, but it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Cool. And, we're, and, I, got, and I was able to work with um, Adam Baldwin. And Virginia Madsen, yeah. they were two of the people that, that were in theater with me. I remember Adam, and I'll tell you my story about Adam in just a second. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. We're talking with John Guillen about his time in New Trier Theater. We'll be right back. 
This episode of Nutria Performing Arts Stories is brought to you by I Relieve You, Sir, a sometimes harrowing, often hilarious collection of U.S. Navy sea stories by Dwayne Burkhardt. The book is available on Amazon.com for just $5.99 in paperback and just $2.99 in ebook format. Buy yours today. Welcome back to the show. We are talking to John Gian, and just before the break, John, you mentioned Adam Baldwin. You mentioned Virginia Madsen, of course, and and Adam Baldwin. I didn't know Adam like personally, but I I met him the day that he left Nutrier, which was right around the time that My Bodyguard, the the first major film that he did, came out. Well, they they came to Nutrier to audition people. Well, they, which they did, which they did all the time, and people don't realize that Hollywood movies came to Nutrier regularly to do casting. I actually got the chance; it was my only times to ever audition for Hollywood movies came while I was a high school student. It's true. What movie? The the one I remember the most because I actually got a callback for was The Entity, which was a horror film in the early 1980s and did not do terribly well at the box office. Which which I've always had the great uh I, I thought well you know they didn't cast me so that that would be um, <laughs> but that was that and then there was another i remember when general hospital i think it was one of the big soaps i think it was general, it might not have been general hospitals one of the big soaps and they came to nutrier because they were looking for a kid for a role and i actually made it all the way to the video test for that role and i had to go downtown for a day basically to take a day off school and go do the video test and then i did again didn't get the role but but that was that was a really cool thing but that's the sort of thing that that you know happened all the time was that the same time i don't know if she was there with you but was that the same kind of thing that happened to charlotte ross yeah probably yeah charlotte charlotte was on i think she she auditioned for i think it was days of our lives or i think what soap opera she was on during christmas break of her senior year and they they let her finish and graduate. And then, like the day after graduation, she went out to Hollywood and was on that soap opera for years. That's exactly the same kind of thing. <laughs> That's what happens when you get the role, I guess. Yeah. Um, and well, I was called in to do my bodyguard. I auditioned for that. The same role Adam got because of my you know my size. I'm six five. So I and Adam and I are the same height. And I got called in for that, but didn't I got a call? I, I got a call back. And then they were like, you know, thank you, thank you, whatever. Well, the day they, they called me to come in to be an extra, and that was the day my family was leaving to go to Colorado for the summer. The guy that I remember most being with you in the costuming department did get a small part in the role and did get the call, and that was Tom Riley, who uh, yes. went on. Tom Tom did have a small part in that film, I remember. He did. So. He did. And I think, I think, did Peter Giannoukas, too? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Right. So. Beth Lane. Beth Lane was in it. It's kind of amazing. Of all of the, I'm going to ask you now to pick an actor and an actress, and it doesn't have to be somebody who was a big Hollywood or Broadway star, an actor or an actress that you remember from your time at Nutrier who really, who you thought was just, who blew you away. Oh my God, that would have to be, well, famous one would be Virginia Madsen. Right. Okay. Like I said, it doesn't have to be famous, just be you personally. Me, um, I would say probably Amy Zay, Mary Ryan, 
um, John Payton or Audu Payton. You know, they were high school kids, and you're just like, oh, wait, why? They were they were incredible. They were wonderful. You know, and, and Amy Zay, Beth Lane, like I said, Audu Payton, Mary Ryan. And the humility of these people, too, was amazing. All right. Well, I want to tell you, the, another thing that we do on the podcast is uh, I get to take a moment and I get to tell you what I remember about each of our guests, oh, if, if they are people. I want to hear. I so, want to hear. So you mentioned something that I'm going to, when, as soon as you mentioned, it, it's like, oh, I got to come back to this. So for those who don't know John and, and, and have never seen John, he's six foot five. And at the time he was at Nutrier with his hair, I believe he was seven foot one. Um, and so, <laughs> what, what we remember, it's gone. Most it's, of it's gone by now. So when, when you came down to the costuming department for a show and you walked in and here was this guy who was larger than like the Sasquatch that you saw on the $6 million man. This guy was just like, and he was a giant of a human being. And he was still also the kindest and nicest and incredibly professional and really, really good at what you did. And it was one of those things where, you know, when people, when performers would come in, every performer for years had to come to you. And I don't know how you developed the speed with the sewing machine and with the other things that you were able to do, but it was kind of miraculous to move that many costumes and that many alterations and and then to fix you know that many little last minute issues that fast it was just really amazing and that was what so what i remember of you is i remember i remember walking in the first time and walking into the costume room and you know this <laughs> this gigantic human being and i thought oh my god and and then you were, you were you were a pretty little guy in high school. Weren't you? <laughs> At that time, I was. Yeah, I mean, I actually grew. That's the other funny thing was that I started Nutria at like five four five five. I finished my freshman year at six foot. So yeah, so for the course oh, of the wow. year, I actually I, that was that was a my my dad got really tired of buying me clothes that year. Uh, I, I'll just <laughs> I'll just put it that way. But but yeah, the yeah, first time I, was, I did a show, it was Toby Nicholson, and I was I was just this short little kid, and and so what was the show. Do you remember? I was I remember Mama. Um, <gasps> oh with, my God, I remember that vividly with Janet Vandergraaf. Janet, Janet Vandergraaf, who boy, I tell you what, you want to know, and if you want to if you want to know that you you're starting off your Nutria theater career, and you start off performing opposite Janet Vandergraaf, one of the things that you learn immediately is, holy cow, I'd better be bringing my A game every single day because oh, yeah. that's oh, that's yeah. the level of performers that i've got here but you know what in, in into our going back to the first podcast that you were on the very first episode that goes back again to, to the a game thing was that was a doc peterman thing was you got to yes. bring your a game every day and you that know. was that's something we, we had to do and anyway and and you helped us and certainly helped me do that and so that's that was the thing that i remembered so i wanted to, to tell you that so well thank you thank you for that well one thing that i will say about referring back to the first podcast with doc peterman to tell you how incredible the shows were i remember i was six years old <laughs> and we went to go see my older brother in hello dolly okay yeah i remember that show vividly i was six years old Dwayne, and because of the professionalism and the excitement and i mean i can remember one scene where 
they did this this really cool thing with a scrim, and as the scrim came down, half the stage disappeared, and the others half showed up. You know, because one scrim was coming down, right. one was going up. And, I mean, I was six years old, and I still remember that. And for Nutrier to be able to do that and yeah. have that impact on a six-year-old, I think is amazing. And then to have Anne Margaret in the audience, you know, people because people would come, Hollywood people would come back, Broadway people would come back. And they would attend these shows too. I mean, it was just really, yeah, it, it's, it's, I remember it's crazy. It didn't happen when I was at Nutria, but they did MAME. Uh, so I was in eighth grade. So it had to be the summer of seven, the year of 70, 76. Oh so yeah. And Ann Margaret came back to that, didn't she? I remember this. To MAME. She yeah. came back to see MAME. Yeah, she that's was right. in a wedding. She was in a wedding that weekend and came to see the show. Wow. Doc Peterman was gone by that time. Anybody mm. out there, if you want to see Doc Peterman in person, he, he appears on Ann Margaret's This Is Your Life. Oh, really? That's yeah. so, so cool. Google, if you watch Ann Margaret on This Is Your Life, they actually bring in Doc Peterman. She talks all about Will Matt, growing up with Will Matt and Nutrier on that show. So that's, that's cool. incredible. Thing about the costuming and the sewing and doing that. That's another thing that was amazing about Nutrier. And going back to Doc Peterman, when that started, when he started the theater department, they also had costume designing classes where you could, the girls, uh, guys too, if they wanted to, could take and you would go down there and you would learn how to do costume design. It was actually a class that you could take. And right. that was all gone by the time we all got there. But, you know, but that's where all that costuming came from. There was so much of it that it was easy to go, okay, Dwayne, put this one on that. Well, that one doesn't fit here. Try this one on, you know? <laughs> right. That's incredible. John Gian has been our guest again today, and we are thrilled to have him as always. John, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to, to reminisce with us about your time at Nutrier and the incredible performing arts department there. We wish you the best, and we'll hope to have you on again someday. Oh, thank you, Duane. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure, and I enjoyed it immensely. Well, friends, that's all for season one of Nutrier Performing Arts Stories. I want to thank all of you again for listening, and I hope you're looking forward to season two as much as I am. In the meantime, starting next week, I'll be back over on YouTube and on your favorite podcasting service, hosting season two of my other show, The Rugby Report. And if you're not into Southern Hemisphere rugby yet, well, there's never been a better time to start. Finally, if you'd like to support this show, please visit Amazon.com, search on my name, Dwayne Burkhardt, and pick up one or more of my books. Thank you. Now, Nutrier Performing Arts Stories is a copyrighted production of Narratives Incorporated. It is written, directed, produced, and edited like someone who is a lot better at this than he was just a few months ago by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. For more information or to suggest a guest or sponsor for our podcast, please email info at NutrierPADStories.com. And join us this fall for Season 2 of New Trier Performing Arts Stories. We'll start off with a major Hollywood star, visit with current and former performing arts staff at New Trier, and, of course, welcome many more of the very interesting graduates from our school. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time.